Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Two Sons Podcast. Or, if this is your first time joining us, welcome to Two Sons Podcast, where two brothers talk everything film. On today's episode, we are going to be reviewing Marvel's latest film, The Eternals. Eternals released on November 5th, 2021, and had an opening weekend of $71 million. This is actually the fourth highest opening weekend of the global pandemic time. The total gross as of now is about $336.4 million, putting it in about the middle ground of superhero movies. So, very exciting news. My brother is actually here physically with me today. He is not in Florida. He I'm is, here physically in the room. He, I'm looking at him right now. Okay. He is in New York. He's got such a beautiful face. For a couple of times. I'm going to start over. <laughs> He's in New York for a couple of time being... And yes, I know we haven't recorded an episode in a very long time, but school has been very busy, work has been very busy, but we are back to it now and we have some very exciting episodes planned. Starting with this one, I am very excited to talk about this. Yes, we are busy adults with busy lives. And, sure. And, and, and one note, did you always have that on your desk? The the podcast thing? Yeah, like the little folder thing. Yeah, it's oh, cool, there cool, for cool, podcasting cool, cool. reasons. Cool. Sorry, hence, I haven't been here for a while, so... Uh, hence you know. why we have the podcast. Um, okay, so what I would like to talk about going in is what was being talked about during the film. I mean, prior to the film's release. So I don't know if you guys are on TikTok or social media or wherever you get your information from movie shows and so on. But on TikTok, I remember a lot of people were talking about this movie going in. Mainly because of the diversity elements of it and all the stuff around it with it being such a different Marvel addition to, you know, the Marvel film collection. But even before, you know, scratching the surface of the movie, I want to talk about what my expectations were going in. Not so much my expectations of what I wanted to see. I just knew that this movie was going to be different from Marvel. And especially having Chloe Zhao directing it, who is actually a... um. Uh, award-winning director who she just won an Oscar for um, Nomadland, which she directed. So you could definitely see that reflect in this film. I do want to talk about how I think this is the uh, most beautiful Marvel film that's shot uh, with the cinematography, and I believe Chloe Zhao is the reason for that. So going in, the thing I was really most excited about was how it was so different. Now, there's been a lot of talks on how Marvel films are kind of cut and paste from each other. I, I see where that's coming from, and I understand that comics are very similar to each other. Again, there are multiple characters that have similar stories about how they get their powers, how they're brought up, or whatever. You're just going to have the basic villain and hero story where the villain almost mirrors the uh, hero in the first movie, and so on. And I think Marvel needs to branch off and do what they did with Eternals. You could argue that they, um, Shang-Chi and Black Widow were similar with, you know, the Marvel cut and paste type of style. But I believe the movies they have put out during the pandemic have been pretty different in my opinion and have been some pretty solid additions to the Marvel collection. Now, I want to hear what you were thinking about going in only because I don't know if you were looking as forward to it as myself i know i was really interested in this film in particular this was actually my most anticipated marvel film of the year 
well, actually, that's a lie. Spider-Man No Way Home, especially with the trailer now, is definitely my most anticipated Marvel film of the year. But this was definitely the one I was kind of most looking forward to. Um, even prior to No Way Home, I just knew it was going to be an exciting addition. So give me a little bit of your thoughts on that. Well, when it came to, to my thoughts on uh, The Eternals, uh, I recently just started a job at the movie theaters down in Florida. So, unfortunately, I did not get a chance to uh, view the movie as soon as it came out. So, it took me a while. I actually saw it back up here when I was in New York. So, uh, I think I just saw it about, let's see, today's today's Tuesday. So, I think I saw it, I think I saw it Thursday. I think I saw it Thursday night when I first came back up to New York. And, uh, you know, going in, uh, I... I didn't really have much in expectations. Uh, obviously, it's a new direction that Marvel is going into. Uh, you know, with the end of the Avengers phase of uh, you know the MCU uh, being introduced to all these new characters, it definitely was interesting to see how they were going to cover all these new characters and how they were going to discover uh, you know each of their stories and you know cover all these characters in their own different lights. So going into the movie, the one thing I was looking for was. How is Marvel going to capture the story of each of these Eternals? And are they going to have enough information and screen time for each of them to really showcase, you know, what seemed like 10 new characters, pretty much? And although, you know, some uh, similarities, you know, with Eternals, you know, did come from the extended, you know, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, like, we already knew about the Celestials from the Avengers timeline. But when it came to, once again, you know, introducing, you know, about 10 new characters were they going to have enough screen time to do it and were they each were they going to give each character the light that they deserved basically so that was the main thing that i was going to be looking for and another thing that i was going to be looking for was how fluid the the movie is 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 it going to be something that's hard to follow is it going to be something that's too simple and uh you know going into the movie that was what i was looking for because i was a little skeptical about the Eternals, not that I did not want to see the movie, it's just that because it was so different and it was not, you know, obviously, you know, the classic Avengers and, uh, you know, the characters from the Avengers that we're used to, I was a little skeptical. And, uh, you know, going in, that is something that I had on my mind. And, uh, you know, having that in mind, you know, after I sat through it and I saw it, uh, you know, I have to admit at first, uh, not that it was confusing to understand. Uh, it just took a while for me to to understand. I like how they did the whole flashback sequence, you know, when they kept going uh, to the past and to the present. It really helped tell the story along. And, you know, by like the middle of the movie, even like early in the movie, you had a pretty good idea of what the storyline was about and where the eternal storyline is uh, going to be going in the future. And... Uh, this was something that I really did enjoy, and uh, I'm really proud of Marvel for uh, putting this out. And I'm really excited to see what the Eternals franchise has uh, in store in the future, because obviously with the two post-credits, you know, we'll talk about much later, but uh, they definitely do lead off to future projects in the works. And, uh, you know, at the end credits, we see something that says the Eternals will be back. So that is definitely the, not the last time that we are going to to be seeing the Eternals. Uh, now, one of the other things we wanted to talk about before we continue with the, um, you know, actual thoughts and, you know, the movie itself was the breaking of stereotypes. 
that the Eternals did. And I thought they did a phenomenal job when it came to breaking stereotypes. As we can see, there was a very multi-ethical uh, group of actors and actresses. Uh, we had uh, Lauren Ritwall from uh, you know AMC's The Walking Dead. And obviously her self being a uh, deaf actress, she was phenomenal in the film. Uh, we also had a uh, openly uh, gay black character, which, uh, you know, forgive me if, uh, you know, I, I am not sure if he is uh, openly gay in real life, but we had uh, an openly gay black character in The Eternals, which, you know, uh, shed some light on that aspect of diversity. And, uh, you know, looking at the whole cast as a whole, we had a very good mix of different different ethnic backgrounds and, uh, you know, backgrounds from all different types of society. And uh, as my brother comes back into the room, uh, I was just discussing how Eternals was, was breaking some stereotypes uh, with its release. So, uh, you know, if there's anything that you could add on to, uh, yes, uh, yes, yes. to that topic. So going in, the biggest thing that I saw people talking about, and mainly because there was some stuff in the news with Disney um, and other certain countries, mainly in the Middle East, about the movie actually not being released because of the same-sex couple that was in it. And what I really enjoyed about this film, again, how I'm going to say it's very diverse. I mean, the amount of actors we have, we have actors from all over the world, all different backgrounds, being co-leads in this film. And arguably, I believe Jumma Chan is kind of the main lead in this film. And, you know, that's that's a big stereotype to break, not only having a female-led movie, I want to say pretty much a female-led movie, but having Gemma Chan in the role of Cersei, and you know, I'll talk about, or we'll talk about all the actors and actresses and uh, Eternals they played, but breaking the stereotypes along with that, and then even having this is the first time Marvel has actually introduced a um, same uh, same sex couple on screen. Now, if you go back to Endgame, there's actually a cameo with I don't know if it's Joe or Anthony Russo. But when Cap is talking to them at that little, uh, what's that? What's kind of like AA meeting. Yeah, but... that little like AA type meeting. And, you know, he he's talking about like, oh, me and him went out to dinner. But th that was it. This is the first time we saw again. You know, uh, this is all spoiler alert, guys. So, you know, warning is here. Um, we see Fastos, who is the first openly gay uh, character in Marvel. And he's the first openly gay black character. And again, that's going to get a lot of people flustered. And some people don't care. Again, I don't think it's something that you should get flustered over. But we're not really going to get into the debate about this. But, I, you know, we'll talk about it. And there is a scene with him. Um, there's a same-sex kiss on the screen. And a lot of people were blowing up over that, which I don't understand why it's such a big deal. Again, mm -hmm. I think it's so many people see Marvel as this one cut clear thing. And when they want to do something different, it's a problem. You're going to have people that, that are going to have a problem with it regardless. But this was a big thing going in. And that leads me into the next topic about the um, the critic reviews, excuse me, and the Rotten Tomato scores. And I want to say about half of that, or maybe even more than half, was because of people's opinions on a diverse cast, and <coughs> especially the same-sex thing in the film. So... You know, tracking on to Rotten Tomatoes now, Eternals is actually the worst rated Marvel movie of all time as of now with a 47%. That means it's certified rotten, which 
basically in Rotten Tomatoes eyes, it's, it's not worth your money and that you shouldn't go. Now, Rotten Tomatoes, we know a lot of people look at before movies. I often take a peek at it just to see what the general people think about it. But when you go into movies, if you want to take a look at Rotten Tomatoes or IMD or whatever other websites that give critiques and um, scores, don't take all that with a grain of salt. They will usually compare it to other films and you have to form your own opinion of this. Again, this movie is long. It's what, two hours, 40 minutes or so? Was it that long of a movie? Uh, maybe two and a half hours. Uh, it definitely was over the two hour mark. but I, It was I at least two, but probably between two hours, 20 minutes or s somewhere around I feel like there. it just flowed so nicely that you kind of forgot how long it was, to be honest. It's ironic because a lot of people didn't think so. But, um... Well, you know, before we continue going on with the round to me, I was, honestly, when you told me that, I was pretty shocked. With the Rotten Tomatoes score? With the Rotten Tomatoes score, because, uh, I, you know, as I was mentioning uh, before, when you stepped out, that this was a new shift for Marvel, as, you know, we're moving away from the Avengers, uh, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we're going into a new direction. Even though there are ties to that old universe, you know, as we see with the Celestials, you know, they were in the Avengers timeline, so we know who the Celestials are. But moving into this new group of characters, um, you know, Marvel really had the challenge of how do we introduce these 10 characters give them all appropriate screen time, and make the story not hard to follow. Oh, and yeah. I thought they did a great job. So when you said that they got like the lowest score of every Marvel movie, I was shocked, to be honest. Now, I really do think the <clears throat> majority of that score comes from the people that just don't want to watch it because well, of the Did you see what the audience score was? The audience score is actually fairly... Um, it, it's fairly good. I believe it's like 80%. Because I know um, just like every Rotten Tomatoes preview, they have a critical score, which is like, you know, from the critics. and then It's they 80, have... 86%. That's, oh, okay. that's a really good so audience you, rating, you know, and there's you, no surprise usually, that it's high. Usually when it comes to the ratings, you know, I mean, personally, if I'm going to look at Rotten Tomatoes, I always look at the audience score, because the audience looks at it from a fan oh, point I mean, of view. I mean, they have Sharknado rated like a 90, or they have certain movies that, like, again, like, I'm not hating on any other movies, but come on, Sharknado is not above this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I like it, but it's not above this film. But, um, yeah, that's, again, like, as soon as I saw that, I, I, was, I was frustrated because I was trying to see. And, like, I didn't, personally, I didn't read any of the reviews because I don't like reading negative <laughs> things. But I saw some TikTokers literally read reviews of, you know, some world-renowned critics or just regular people that critiqued the film. And some of it was just, you could tell they were doing this because they didn't agree with the direction it was going. Again, this is the most diverse, and to me, this if I if I'm watching this movie, it may it it will not seem like a Marvel movie at times. It it seems like its own thing, you know. And this is the most interesting and diverse Marvel film, in my opinion. It's Marvel did something with this where they were like, we're gonna try and see how this goes. And sure, initially maybe it seemed like it wasn't going well. But it's 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 going really good right now. Again, it's Eternals is still going strong, and I'm sure it's going to continue going strong. <clears throat> so with Rotten Tomatoes, you know, this, again, this movie is the lowest of Marvel, and you know, continuing on with that critiques and all the other things about it is as as soon as this movie came out, as soon as Shang Chi came out, but especially this movie, as soon as it came out, people are like, "Is it the best movie? No. Is it the worst movie? No." We need to stop having that conversation. We don't need to see a Marvel, DC, or whatever movie and be like, is it the best or is it the worst? There are 20, 28, 27. 
I, there's either there's about twenty seven or twenty eight Marvel movies now. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of freaking movies. And it's only like under like a decade. Exa- exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, maybe like two decades. Just a, a little over a decade right mm-hmm. now because I believe Iron Man was two thousand. And you know, it just you know something to keep keep in mind. You know, when you're looking at uh, you know critical review websites like Rotten Tomatoes, you always have to take their range with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. You know, just because it says you know it's certified Rotten or you know even certified fresh, you know yeah. go watch the movie for yourself. You know, don't let the audience score uh, discourage you. Don't let the uh, critical score uh, discourage you. You know, go watch the movie for yourself. Don't look at it as a critic. You know, watch it as a fan. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like these days a lot of people are just so uh, easy to judge that, you know, again, that's why, you know, uh, it received the score it did. Because, yeah. you know, Marvel decided to go into a new direction. You know, they took a leap. And, uh, you know, obviously some people didn't agree with that. But, you know, again, just like everything, take it with a grain of salt. Go see it for yourself. Look at it. Watch it as a fan first. And then if you want to go watch it again, then you go watch it as a critic. But enjoy the movie first. Mm-hmm. Don't go in and try to critique the movie as soon as you watch it. Watch it as a fan. Enjoy it. And then go back. And then you can look at things. You can be like, oh, well, maybe they could have done this or that. Or, you know, maybe they shouldn't have done that. But, you know, enjoy it. That's the whole point of watching a movie and being a fan is to enjoy it. You know, who cares about what somebody said you know i mean that's the beautiful thing about being human and having opinions you know people have opinions on everything but that doesn't mean that you need to follow somebody else's opinion so again just take everything with a grain of salt go watch the movie for yourself as a fan and then if you want to critique it later on then you can critique it but again that's the beautiful thing about being part of a fandom is that everybody has their own theories and you can critique the movie and change the movie the way you want and i think that's that's the most important thing about being a fan for sure, for sure. And especially with Marvel fans right now, is uh, almost all, or if not a large majority of Marvel fans, go into these movies, shows, whatever project Marvel puts out, and have high, high expectations, which I could see because, again, Marvel is dominating the box office and they're dominating a, a lot of things right now. But you have to go in and have your theories and all that, and, you know, but. Don't go in so much wanting something to happen so bad and be disappointed when it doesn't, when it was never promised. We saw this in WandaVision. You know, we're we're seeing this now with the Spider-Man No Way Home talk. What could happen? You know, if it doesn't happen, people might be super disappointed. But getting off the topic of that, you know, don't want to continue with negative stuff about this film because I, I have a lot of positive things to say about this film. Ironically... I stood after, you know, as you guys know, because I've mentioned it multiple times before, both me and my brother work at theaters. So, you know, we uh, we get the pleasure of working these movies. And, you know, uh, I usually get the pleasures of working the opening movies. Did did you work the opening of Eternals? I don't think so, right? No. I got the pleasure of working um, the opening, <clears throat> well, the opening day, technically, because I only do mornings or Fridays. But I worked the night before when we have Eternal showings. And everybody that was coming in... I could see they were excited, and I told them, I was like, go in and don't listen to Rotten Tomatoes, don't listen to other people, go in and enjoy the film. Because again, it's 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 your opinion. It's your opinion, go in with an open mind and see what it has to offer. But I believe why this film is so good is because of Chloe Zhao. Now again, I already talked about how she won an Oscar for um, Best Director for Nomadland. Now I remember Nomadland, again, it was one of those movies that's... <clears throat> You know, it, it it's film. That's what it is. It's one of those movies where not everybody's going to see it. But again, you watch it. It's beautiful. A lot of great stuff in that. And Chloe Zhao is actually 
I want to say the third female director in Marvel as of now. And I believe she's the first female director of color to direct a film. So Marvel is doing pretty good right now with moving forward. And if you watch this movie, in my opinion, this is the most beautifully shot Marvel movie. Am I right? I thought I thought it was very visually stunning, especially when they went back in time and they explored all these different historical sites. And that's obviously something that we'll mm-hmm. dive further into because uh, Eternals does a really great job of referencing uh, different civilizations and time periods throughout history, you know, as they are, like, what, like, thousands and thousands of years old? About, not, it's, it's like, like 7,000. million years of well, old? on Earth, it's 7,000 so, years. And they do a pretty good job of actually being, like, not spot on with how they um, formed these ancient civilizations, but they weren't <clears throat> totally out of the ordinary. You know, no, they didn't I have, mean, like, you random know, things. Sure they when, did their research. I'm pretty sure when they went back in time, they, you know, I mean, for example, you know, when they when they were in ancient Babylon, you know, I'm pretty sure they probably spoke, you know, ancient Babylonian or whatever mm-hmm. dialect was spoken at that time. So they did a great job of, you know, trying to stay, you know, pretty historically accurate and like visiting these times in history. But even when they didn't go back in time and it was in the present day, I mean, I, I, again, I, I loved all the color and, uh, you know, everything was just very visually stunning. Yeah, and, this uh, is... That was, that was definitely something that was right because Marvel kind of prides itself on his cinematography you know, uh, big CGI. Exactly. Big, uh, again, exactly. Every Marvel movie, third act, big CGI fight. No matter and, what it uh, is, you're gonna you know, have. I think usually each Marvel movie has done a very good job with their cinematography, and uh, you know, I mean, they just continued with this with Eternals, and and that was that was really nice. I mean, like especially like again, like all the shots of, you know, these these especially like, um, you know, just the 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 city of Babylon itself. You know, as the camera pans out, beautiful, beautiful colors and everything, and. And again, everything was just very visually stunning. I think why it does such a good job is mainly because it takes place in history. People forget, like, again, like, you're in a history class or you see a history book. Um, ancient civilizations were very colorful places. A lot of vegetation, a lot of beautiful stonework, architecture, or even just the natural landscape is beautiful. Again, I believe that's why this is the most visually stunning um, Marvel film and one of the most visually stunning films I've seen and honestly I it's it, it's number one for me with visuals this film has the best visuals for Marvel in my opinion and um, both me and my brother are actually big history people uh, <clears throat> that's what I'm getting my bachelor's in he already got his bachelor's in it so that's another reason I I really really enjoy this film it's because of the history aspect but that's something we will talk about a little later on um, going in now, I already talked about how people were talking about the film before they saw it and stuff. And of course, like I do, you know, I'm on TikTok <laughs> and I always listen to the big, you know, Marvel creators or whatever superhero creators that get invited to premieres. Would be nice to, you know, get invited ourselves, but who knows if that'll ever happen. But, you know, immediately the first thing I saw was like, is it a great film? No. Is it a bad film? No. So I I kept saying I kept seeing that I kept on saying is it great no is it bad no I kept on seeing it's good whatever blah 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 so I knew a lot of people kind of felt like you know yeah it's all right but you know maybe it's not and I think that's mainly just because again a lot of Marvel fans don't want to watch a story you know because. Is there action in it? Yeah, there's actually there was more action than I thought. You know, it's not like there wasn't action for a while. Like there were places where, like, yeah, um, there was quite a bit of time where there wasn't anything happening. But with the deviant storyline, 
we saw some sort of fighting, you know, every, not every couple of minutes, but, you know, we, we saw a decent amount of fighting throughout the film, and the fighting in the third act was um, amazing, in my opinion. So, you know, going on to that, I feel like a lot of people had this being one of their most anticipated films um, of the year, especially Marvel films, only because of how different it was. I remember one of the, the creators on TikTok, Straw Hat Goofy, I follow him, I love his content. If you guys like don't follow him, definitely go check him out on TikTok. I'm pretty sure it's the same thing on Instagram too. But he talked about how um, when he f- watched the first trailer, like he knew like he he was excited for this and that this was going to be different um and it was so you know going on let's talk about how this compares to other marvel projects that at least have released during the pandemic now i'm not talking about compare it and like if it was better or not just let's talk about how it was different you know going in and like why do you think marvel took this step after they did a did like a similar thing for years and it worked for them why do you think they just went in this direction to try to kick off really the new portion of phase four because black widow was you know kind of still in that and shang chi was definitely a new addition but this really kicked off a different direction marvel might be going in future films well i I think one of the biggest reasons why marvel decided to go with this excuse me uh with this direction when it came to Eternals is that we had this conversation like you know a while ago like off camera but i believed that uh marvel is trying to phase out you know the avengers timeline mm-hmm. into more of like shows you know as as we see with you know like the uh the the future hawkeye series that's coming out this week and uh you know i mean i know shang chi just came out and technically he's part of the avengers timeline and you know it says that he will be back in a future film uh you know and obviously but you know if you look at a lot of the future projects most of them are are tv shows when it comes to the you know i'm gonna i'm gonna continue to refer to it as like the avengers timeline you know you have like she hulk and then obviously like hawkeye and i don't know she hulk is well i only say she hulk because obviously bruce banner is going to be in it so like you know but you know what i mean by that like well yeah i think there's i think what they're doing is that they're not completely just phasing them out right but you know they they want to you know marvel's doing it uh, smart where like I said you know they're not phasing it out but they're moving it more onto you know their streaming services like Disney Plus and they're making them more into TV shows that you know people will always like log on and you know watch annually and that way you know even though they're not phasing out the uh, Avengers MCU they are also paving the way and allowing for an introduction to a new timeline that they want to pursue which is obviously the Eternals so by not necessarily drawing the attention away from the Avengers MCU, they're allowing more room for the Eternals or a future project to be more prominent. And why they decided to go with the Eternals, I don't know. I mean, obviously Marvel has a lot of material to work with in any aspect, you know, thanks to the comics. Why they wanted to go in the Eternal direction, I, I'm not sure. I mean, if you have any information, you yes, could probably... I do think I know why they went with the Eternals, only because the Eternals are known to be a very powerful group in the comics. Again, I'm not an avid comic book reader, but I do know they're very powerful. And again, we saw in this movie, they introduced um, the Celestials with um, uh, Arisham or Arisham. I think it was Arisham being the main Celestial in this. And I believe with them now owning, uh, you know, the Fantastic Four and X-Men, 
you know, seeing somebody like Galactus might be around the corner. I mean, who knows, especially as we know, Celestials are very powerful beings. So I think they needed to introduce a powerful group like the Eternals to kind of kick it off. Because, you know, even if you're not an avid comic book reader, Marvel has hundreds of characters. X-Men alone, you could do so much stuff. Fantastic Four, you know, same thing. You could do so much stuff. And like every, you know, sort of trilogy or group of movies, you never really want to see the original group leave, but it's something that's going to happen. You know, again, like they, they, Marvel has been making these movies for over a decade now. Obviously, the actors and actresses get older, but you need to give it a chance to, you know, create a new generation of superheroes and introduce ones that you have that are you know, arguably a lot cooler to see. Again, we're going to see the introduction of Moon Knight, Blade. I mean, I hope they introduce Ghost Rider. I mean, these characters alone are some of the most interesting characters in Marvel. And they're finally introducing them. So it's going to be a really interesting time for Marvel. And I think everybody should get excited about it. But phasing off of that, I want to talk about how long this film was. Now, let me look it up because I actually have my laptop right here. This laptop is a new laptop because I'm a student and I needed a new laptop. So, <laughs> you know, uh, what, what am I trying to look up? Uh, uh, Runtime. Run time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to say it's like <clears throat> two hours, 20-something minutes. Oh, I was right. It's two, it's two hours, 36 minutes, which I believe makes this the longest Marvel f- No. No, I think I think I feel like Avengers Endgame was still longer than that. Uh yeah, I know. That's what I want to look up. Uh it's one of the longest. Um But yeah, I want to talk about the runtime uh just because and, and you know, as we mentioned before, you know, the the film was done so so well. And, oh yeah, like it, it was okay, yeah, it's you know, the the film was done But this is one of the sorry for cutting you off again. This is one of the longest uh run times for a Marvel movie. Yeah. I believe it's you know, either and, third and or second. The film second. did so well where it didn't feel like it was 2 hours and 36 minutes. You know, no. it just kind of flowed very fluently where it's like you kind of like forgot what time it was. You know, I remember seeing it and then you joined me after work and I was like, oh, I can't believe it's already, you know, I like 11 o'clock or something. I honestly don't know what people's problems are with it being a longer movie because mainly, again, I, us- I usually see these movies um, at a late time uh, for work because we get crew screening. So it's usually uh, after midnight that I see these movies. So I usually don't come out until 2 or 3 in the morning with this one. I believe I got it around 2.30 in the morning. Um but everybody was like, I didn't like how long it was. I'm like, you have to realize, 10 new characters to be introduced, this, sh- it, it, it could have been three hours, but I think if they made it three hours, people would have been even more annoyed. But for being a two and a half hour movie, again, it does not feel slow. Even when it tells a story with, you know, having not having all that action, I believe they do a good job with the time they have introducing these characters and giving them their traits because again if i i will mention each eternal and you know who plays them and stuff but if i think about that i know something about each eternal that's clearly different and you could tell that some of them they didn't focus on as much obviously because you know some things might have happened and i've been seeing the argument that this should have been two films or this should have been a tv show i just believe with the direction they were going they did a great job with the time they had and in introducing this wide group of characters that well, are when, when, hold on 
that are some of the most well-written in Marvel. Like, I will go on to this in another episode because I want to have a more in-depth episode about each Eternal and their character traits. Icarus is one of the most well-written uh, characters in Marvel, in my opinion, because I went in thinking something and I left having no idea was going to go in that direction. And even it, it's, He's a very well-written character and I definitely think you have to look out for him, guys, when you go in. And um, even afterwards, like, look it up and look up people's reviews talking about this. Because I've been seeing quite a few. And a lot of people do agree. And again, this, like, all these characters are very well written. And I, and most of them went in a, in a direction I did not see coming. But what were you saying? Well, as, as you mentioned before, you know, one of the things that I discussed when you stepped out was did Marvel have enough time to introduce all these 10 characters and spend time, you know, developing and, and introducing all these 10 characters. And, and just like you said, I think for the, for the runtime, you know, being a two and a half hour movie, I think they did a really good job of introducing the characters, you know, where they come from and their journey, like over the thousands and thousands of years that they've been on planet earth. And when it came to how you, you know, you mentioned that, you know, not all the Eternals, you know, had the same spotlight when you really think about it, the only ones that really didn't have a lot of spotlight was uh, Ajax and Gilgamesh, and I think that was because they were the ones that that got killed. Uh, the whole Eternals group. Oh, spoiler! People have to know. <laughs> know people know. have to know if they watch this podcast by now. It's going to be spoilers. Yeah, I, I'm going to say. when you the, when you think about it, I, I think that's the reason why they didn't really have a lot of screen time. You know, because they were introduced as a character, and we know a little bit about them. You know, because they basically have the, all the same origin. They each have their different personalities, but they all have the same origin. But if they were planning to kill off Ajax and Gilgamesh, there really, there really wasn't any point of them adding more information that was necessary. Um, yeah, I mean, it would have been cool because, again, like, there is a time jump we see from pretty much when they first get there. And then we mm-hmm. go, like, a couple of thousand years, and well, then know, after though, that, it's present day. Even though Ajax and Gilgamesh do die, uh, unfortunately, you know, we do learn a lot about their personality in the short time that we see them. I will say that almost every Eternal has an equal amount of screen time, with the exception of Icarus and um, Cersei. Cersei, just because I believe they are the two really main leads in this film. Because, again, it's it's really a, a, a movie with ten co-leads. But, um... I definitely see them having the most screen time, but almost everybody had an equal opportunity, a chance to tell a little bit of their story. And honestly, I, I would have rather watched a movie on it than a show. If they want to make a show on, you know, some events that happen with the characters, be my guest. Marvel, you will make money off of anything, honestly. And it looks like we will see the Eternals return in a later film. We will get to that uh, later on. But phasing off, we said we would come back to this and, you know, let's come back to it now. The history aspect of it. Now, the history aspect of it, I, th- this is another reason I enjoy this movie so much. is because I'm fascinated by history. And when they came to um, Earth, the first place they came was Mesopotamia. And Mesopotamia, at, if, if you guys don't know, is one of the oldest civilizations on Earth. And what one was one of the first civilizations. I don't know if it was the first, but I know it was one of the first civilizations, like, for... Well, you know, I mean, in, in school, where, you know, I mean, obviously, 
again, not to dive too deep, but we know that obviously, like, you know, early humans originated from Africa and they migrated to all parts yes, of the, of, I'm, of I'm the earth. But when we learn about it in school and we learn about the, you know, first early civilizations, you know, Mesopotamia is one of the first ones that is brought up, you know, or at least that we have evidence to. So, you know, in theory, you know, basically the Eternals arriving at Earth at the same time that the beginning of humanity is developing in Mesopotamia is pretty historically accurate. I think I think that's cool because, again, they're showing, like, they came, you know, and, uh, you know, obviously this is hinting at what the purpose they're there for is, again, they're coming at the beginning of, you know, human civilization and, of course, starting off that with Mesopotamia. And I haven't researched ancient, ancient Mesopotamia, but i say, you know, for accuracy of it, you know, that's what it probably would look like and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, that I, I, the scene where they show up is... Man, it's 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 pretty cool. I mean, especially <laughs> when they show like you know like uh, ancient Babylon, uh, <coughs> historically, that's probably what it would have looked like. I yeah, mean, you know that that's pretty historically accurate. But you know what I didn't think about. You know, I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but what I didn't think about is that what if like <laughs> Marvel was trying to do something, or like you know this is I just thought of this now, but you know think about it. You're you're an early human mm-hmm. in Mesopotamia, right? All of a sudden, out of nowhere, you know, from the sky, you know, mm-hmm. from the heavens, you see this this ship and, you know, all these almost like, you know, immortal, uh, you know, beings with superpowers. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if like, you know, the first early human civilizations, at least in the film, you know, in the MCU timeline, thought that these were gods. Well, we ha- we see that with Athena. Mm-hmm. Again, we have <clears throat> she's referred to as the goddess um, Athena. Who, if you guys don't know, is the goddess of war, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, in um, because again, that, that's pretty cool to me that at least in the MCU timeline, that these events that the Eternals did in history, that they're kind of like the gods or you know, spirit really high spiritual beings that may be studied in schools and, in know, this I mean, uh, world. As, as we also see, you know, some of these characters take the names of famous uh mythological mm-hmm. uh beings as well you know obviously of icarus you know uh for you that don't know you know that's a ancient greek story flew too close to the sun uh, exactly you know he was you know his father i think it's like his father built him wings or whatever mm-hmm. and told him not to fly too close to the sun he and he didn't listen and, like, I can do and it. he did and you know we all could assume how that ended uh, so, you know, I mean, again, but, you know, there's the, uh, reference there. You have Gilgamesh. Also Gilgamesh. Now, you know, Gilgamesh might not be as well known, but, you know, uh, he is, uh, like an old Mesopotamian hero, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually pretty interesting because remember when Sprite was telling that story in Babylon and she was saying, you know, to follow like Athena and Gilgamesh in the battle. Yes. Cause Gilgamesh is known to be very strong and we can mm-hmm. see that he was kind of like, Kind of like the muscle. I mean, you could argue Icarus, but Gilgamesh was Basically. like the muscle. Of- so, you know, again, even just, you know, giving some of the Eternals, you know, uh, you know, historical names or referring them to like, you know, historical mythical like you characters. Said, Sprite. If you guys don't know, Sprite is a type of, you could say, fairy. It's like a fairy, like a spiritual and being. And you could, you could see, if you, if you look at Sprite's character, you could see how they even model Sprite after that. And again, I feel I feel like this is a little hint, and maybe not everybody will inherently think of this. Because again, you go in with your own opinions, but this is something I noticed. And again, I love seeing history in film, and when it's kind of accurate, it makes it even better. And mm-hmm. I believe they did a, I I believe they did a pretty good job with um the accuracy of this film because again, that scene where they're in is it um is it Babylon where they're fighting the I have the Lego right there fighting the bold deviant. Mm-hmm. where yeah, like they in, go into the walls Babylon. yeah which 
you know, that that's what it would have looked like, and you forget how massive these civilizations were. So and something to also consider is that you know, throughout the film, we we come to learn that, uh, you know, the Eternals or you know some of the Eternals, you know, like uh, Druig, right? That's how you say his name. Yeah, Druig. You know, he's always asking the question, you know, well, why can't we interfere? You know, why do we have to let them kill each other, hate each other? You know, why can't we lead them on a path of success, you know, nonviolence, you know, basically like a utopia. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, later in the film, the Eternals find out that, well, they're just kind of farming the humans until they reach a certain population to up. feed the celestial that's inside the earth. So, it you know, it, it almost kind of turns into a what if, because like, you know, what if... They were actually allowed to interfere in human development. You know, what type of society would have humans had if they were allowed to interfere and, you know, make one almost like a utopia, you know? And and, because, you know, there's that scene where they're in ancient Babylon where, you know, Festos is is trying to think of technology introduced to the humans. And he's like, all right, I call it the steam engine. (laughs) Yeah. And then like, they're like, dude, like they're still like using horses and stuff. He's like, fine. He's like, well, here's my next invention. The plow. <laughs> yeah. You know what it does? It plows dirt. So it's like, you know, I mean, they were ready to almost take that leap, like, you know, thousands of years into the future. And, you know, wh- what if they did? You know, what if they were actually able to to do that? You know, so it, it's always cool to kind of think of like a, like, that would be a cool what if episode. It's you know, like What if the Eternals were able to get involved in human affairs? Just imagine the type of u- utopian society they could have had. I mean, we could argue, um, again, human nature plays a lot into this. And, you know, I do want to talk about something. Um, it's a it's a known scenario. I forgot exactly what it's called. But like like my brother said, if they were more technology uh, technologically advanced early on in history, what would have happened? Were there, were, were there, would there have been more wars? Would there have been... Uh, uh, what's it called and uh, massive increase in population would there have been a decrease in population would earth not be as colonized would they have gone to space travel or something like that but um, human nature plays a big and, and it's ironic because again these people aren't human but human nature plays a big fact in the film and something that I really liked on TikTok and I'm sorry I don't remember the creator that was talking about this but something that sums up basically the third act and basically um, the story of this film is I don't know if you guys ever heard of it and I don't know the name but there are a scenario that's always asked where there's a train track and there's five people on one track and like one person on the other and you're in control of the lever and you know you play different scenarios so say the five people are people in their teens and the one person is an old dude but the five people in their teens do drugs and the old dude is still a doctor who would you save? You know, blah, blah, change the scenario, change the track, change, you know, the people, blah, blah, blah. But it's this common thing of does this outweigh the other? And we see that with them deciding is the human race valuable enough to waste the chance of billions being born? So we see again that human nature and human nature is something very interesting. I'm not going to get uh, philosophical in this, but I really like that aspect of it and that idea of is earth worth all of this to them you know would would everybody's opinions be the same as the eternals because obviously we could see not all the eternals thought the same but um, you know i i think a big part of that is you know being on earth and surrounded by humanity for thousands of years 
even though this, you know, the Eternals are, you know, basically immortal, you know, beings <coughs> from, you know, an, another universe, you know, they're basically human. You know, they each have their own personality. They each have their own feelings, you know, and thoughts. You know, they disagree. They fight, you know, just like humans do. Mm-hmm. You know, they also love, you know, and they laugh and, you know, they basically have human emotions. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, again, like, we don't see that they think they're higher beings. Like, do that's they have why, the powers? you know, yes, they, but... they have, uh, what, what's it called? You know, they, it, it's almost like, you know, they're, they're human. You know, yeah, they're, they're trying, not... they're trying to decide from right from wrong. Like you said, it's like, is it worth sacrificing Earth for the possibility of billions of other planets to do the same thing? Or do we save this Earth and sacrifice the Celestial because we fell in love with the people that, like, you know, the the whole idea of being able to, to choose mm-hmm. and express your own free thought is basically, like, what makes you human. So it's interesting to see that an immortal, eternal being could think the same way as, you know, regular me and you. Oh, yeah. You I know? mean, going on with that and the human nature and, you know, that aspect of it is I've, another strong suit of this film is the family aspect and the Eternals as a family. Again, this is a group of people that... In the film, they have been together for about 7,000 years on this earth. So 7,000 years is a lot of time to be a family. And yes, you know, they might have not been together physically the whole time. But we could see that these people cared a lot about each other. We see that with Icarus and Cersei. We see that with Makari and Druig. And we see an underrated um, relationship. And I'm not saying like... uh, romantic relationship wise because i don't even know what direction it was going but we i i really like what they do with gilgamesh and thena uh-huh. with we see that we i think see i think that, that would have went somewhere romantic if it, it, it could have I'm, I'm i'm glad they didn't because like would it be necessary no but again it showed how much he cared for thena showing uh-huh. how much they care about each other you know because we'll get on to uh that later on but I believe this is one of the strongest aspects of family in a Marvel film. And I'm going to have an episode where we're going to uh, debate the Avengers and the Eternals as a family. And uh, I personally think the Eternals you is know, more I, I, of that I family. Like, I feel like Dominic Toretto would really appreciate this conversation right now. Family. Family. As I look at the Fast and Furious popcorn bucket um, <laughs> with Morris in it. But uh, yeah, I mean, the human aspect of this film is... Uh, really cool too because it gives you know the audience a chance to relate because again in superhero movies a lot of ch- cool in superhero movies you don't really have the chance to relate as much uh, with the characters unless they're maybe younger or really going through some life crisis or something like that but um you know I, I just have a quick question you know I, I know it's just really random but is there a reason why they had to show Icarus and Cersei like you know having sex elephant in the room uh <laughs> You know, I mean, I feel like that should be addressed. I mean, is that is that to kind of showcase, like, you know, I think a, it's a part kind of human of, nature that I think you know, it's kind, kind of, of to show that, and you know, that you know, they are capable of having a romantical relationship. It is a PG thirteen film. You have to realize that, um, you know, as uh, you know, Aramusha, Arisham, Arisham, as he's explaining to Cersei, like, you know, the origin of the deviants and the and the Eternals. You know they're they're really not even human. They're just like these like, uh, what like you know what are you like sent, sentient beings yeah. that are, like, are created almost in a factory. But you know at the same time they're not machines because they bleed and you know they're alive. I think the whole point is to kind of get um, 
a more mature aspect. But of like again, like Marvel. as I said, you know, before because you know they spent so much time around humans and stuff, they kind of just learned what it meant to kind of have like both emotional. Well, they're learning what love is. Physical love. Yeah, I mean, again, like lo- physical like and, aspects you know, of I, love. I mean, as you kind of, we're not going to dive into that scene a lot, but as you <laughs> as you watch the scene, you know, you can kind of see that it almost comes natural. Oh yeah, I mean, you which know? which uh, you know. It, it it was weird to put that in there because again Marvel and you know another aspect of this film I will talk about is the comedy aspect because you know I've seen TikToks where it's like oh like you know going into the film you know and then all of a sudden it just like cuts to like you know yeah. see like you know the, the scene between Icarus and Cersei and I'm like what are they talking about I'm like oh that's what they're talking about but people need to realize is like you know some Marvel movies are going to be mature and not everything is going to be at the butt end of a fart joke you know like we see that a lot in Marvel where you see a really powerful scene like for instance in Shang-Chi when um, Shang-Chi and Katie are on the plane and he's talking about his childhood and they show the scene of him growing up and training and the lady comes over and they have that scene about like the op- the you know, the veggie options and stuff like that. I'm like, was that necessary? I'm like, you just took us out of the scene that we were in. So sometimes I, I think they threw it out in there for the mature aspect and mainly because it's Chloe Zhao directing it. So I feel like maybe she was like, maybe we should throw this romantical aspect of it rather than like a kiss actually showing that, that they physically are attracted that, to each you know, other because they're showing human that, nature with love because again that's that a was the one thing, thing. That, you know I, I didn't mind I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it towards the end you know I didn't mind Icarus and Cersei's relationship but to me like it didn't really seem necessary because it wasn't something that was very explored well it, it, it had to be necessary to the story but again I mean, like was, that's an argument you could make because story. of the time they had it was necessary to the story because we found out like where Icarus was that whole time and why he was away and why he didn't choose to come back but other than that i mean um you know in my opinion they could have done something different to explain that you know i mean because obviously i mean you know it was kind of sad we hear that she waited for like hundreds of years or whatever and then you know she ends up uh getting together with kit harrington you know uh so she gets together with Jon snow uh <laughs> But, you know, but uh, it, it was just interesting to see them develop that romantic relationship and, and, and why they did. And, and again, I think everything that we've been talking about just leads back to the overall assumption that these Eternals were tasked with planet Earth and they learned to be human and develop human emotions. And I think that was something that was really hammered home throughout the whole film. So Oh, yeah, I mean, for sure. So, again, I definitely did, did this... You know, part of that is this is the more mature take on Marvel and it's a different aspect of it. Uh, and it was a PG-13 film. So, like, obviously, you know, you didn't see uh, much. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, talk uh, going on, let's talk a little bit about the villains and stuff of this film. And, you know, mainly we were going and seeing the deviants of, uh, as the villains. And I guess you maybe had a hint of, like, Arisham... Really I, 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 I was about to say, I was like, would you kind of like, you know, suggest that the, the Celestials could possibly be villains? I at don't. Least, at least to the Eternals. I would say, I, I would say. Because obviously we see that conflict between the Eternals themselves as like who they believe they should follow or like who's oh, yeah. in the right. I mean, you know? well. I mean, obviously we could assume that, you know, obviously the Deviants, you know, are enemies of, you know, the Eternals and the Celestials, even though we know that. The Celestials created both the Eternals and the Deviants. Yeah, it's a really, uh, it's, it's a really, it's a really messed up, up story thing. Because you know? again, like you know, Deviants are <laughs> were made to go on a planet and rid it of really, you know, many uh, apex predators for Deviants to become the apex predators. And then once human, uh, so human civilization could you know start to flourish. And then once that happened, they you know sent in the Eternals, and the Eternals were made to now kill off 
those, you know, the biggest apex predators. And so they were basically just made to kill each other and be in this constant thing, go world to world, so Celestials could be born. So, um, I don't even think the main Deviant had a name. No. I, yeah, I, I don't want to say anything at all. But again, the Deviants were, we saw throughout the whole film, you know, mainly for the action scenes and stuff, because again, these were these creatures that were, you know, attacking the humans and the Eternal stepped in. And did stuff about it, but we see really them kind of disappear for a little bit and then come back in the third act with uh, after Icarus kills Ajax. Um, we see that other deviant that kind of has developed, I guess you could say. I guess they did their own form of evolution and he was able to actually suck her powers uh, and incorporate it to him. And then we literally saw after that he was able to make the other deviants different... Um, type of like you know creatures and stuff and then you know we saw he took uh gilgamesh's powers too so he was able to kind of become more not really human like but he was able to uh develop and evolve but again it really you know it really didn't go anywhere them as the villains they were kind of just sidelined as a um threat to the eternals rather than you know the main villain and, and i would argue that there really wasn't I wouldn't say there was really again going even watching the trailers or anything. There's really no main villain of the film. If anything, to be honest, I, can... I think the main villain, when you really, if you want to get like really, really deep, the main villain was themselves. I don't know if I want to say themselves, only because like, that's just because like, when you think about it. Besides the deviants, they're the only people that they're fighting are themselves. Or are you talking like them as a person or them as a group? Oh, well, you could say both. To be honest. And, and again, it's just... I think the film does such a beautiful job of just kind of relaying the Eternals to human nature as a whole. You I know? think it's because good that even though, the even though they... they Who did you say was the main I, villain? No, I said I think it's good that there's really no um, main villain. Well, because, you know, obviously the Eternals, they all come from the same place. But being on this planet for so many years, they obviously, like I said, all develop their own personalities and their own ways of thinking. And mm -hmm. they all kind of grew a different relationship with humans. And, you know, as, as my brother said, you know, obviously we all know, you know, from, you know, the Celestials that, you know, they would find a planet, they would basically like send this like seed, which was like a Celestial down to the planet. They would send the Deviants to wipe out the whole population of this planet, allow for intelligent life to grow. And then after the Celestials lost control of the Deviants, they created the Eternals to basically eradicate uh, the deviance of that planet to allow for intelligent life to grow and then when it got to a certain population the celestial would basically feed off of that population's intelligence and a celestial would be born so obviously as we mentioned you know the deviants and the eternals were created uh just to kind of constantly go back and forth in this war that they fought between each other just to be used for the celestial's favor so tying that in obviously we saw one of the deviants evolved over time I wish they would have kind of explained maybe how he evolved over time because, you know, I mean, you know, usually throughout history, we just kind of saw them, saw them as like these like animalistic creatures. They all had different like shapes and forms, but this was the first one that actually had like thought, Yeah. you know, which was interesting because like, you know, I mean, unless they were just on this planet for thousands of years and they just evolved that much. But why was it just this one? Well, it's kind you of know? like the theory of evolution, you know, after thousands of years... It's they, like, they you know, this, this one was just the one that evolved, like, correctly. You know, because he was the only one that 
thought the way he did or you know wasn't a, a, a normal deviant i think it's just the time aspect of it again i think it's like they and, probably wouldn't have know, to spend as, another 10 or so minutes. as we continue in the film i mean really this deviant had no agenda i mean obviously he wanted to continue fighting the eternals but what was also interesting that he knew the truth you know he knew that both the deviants and the eternals were created by the celestials you know to fight each other like for all of time but he he just still wanted to kill the Eternals for constantly massacring the Deviants. Well, yeah. And when you kind of think about it, you kind of, like, feel a little bad. Because, again, you realize that both of these groups were created, you know, by the Celestials to do whatever the Celestials wanted. So it's kind of sad to think about, you know, again, these creatures didn't really have a voice. Oh, yeah. And now this Deviant evolved enough where he could actually speak. And, you know, when you kind of hear him say it, it's like, you kind of feel a little bad. Oh, yeah, you know, I mean... You, you, you do. But, you know, to, to not dive, you know, too much into that rabbit hole, you know, again, coming back to the whole thing where, you know, I, the biggest enemy of the Eternals is themselves, is because, you know, obviously when it comes to, you know, the birth of uh, Tiamat, which I believe was the name of the Celestial Tiamat, that was, yeah. you know, being, well, going to be born on Earth, you know, we see the, you know, not the whole group split, you know, but obviously we see Icarus and Sprite, you know, see what they should do one way. I mean, obviously, you know, Ajax was really the first one to say that, you know, we shouldn't go along with with the Celestial's birth and we need to, you know, we, we need to save the planet. You know, that's when Icarus obviously kills Ajax and, you know, that's where he was, he was the whole time, you know, he was absent. So, you know, we see him being completely loyal to Aramouche. Aramouche, I'm not going to say his name right. I'm just going to call him the Celestial. We see him being loyal to the Celestial, and obviously we see Sprite being loyal to Icarus because, you know, we know in some weird way she was, like, in love with Icarus, but, you know, that's a whole different story. Um, you know, and then we kind of have, you know, obviously Cersei and, you know, some of the other Eternals. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think Festos was one of them and Athena was one of them. Okay, that... so it, let's just say the only Eternal that actually wasn't in... Uh, besides the ones that died, obviously, that uh, left was, um, oh my gosh, uh, uh, Camille uh, Nanijari's character, what the heck was his name? He's the only Eternal that I don't know the name of. Um, I have no idea, to be honest. It, it's, it's a little hard to keep track of all their names. <laughs> uh, I, I'll have it right here. Kingo. Okay. How did I forget that? Okay. Uh, Kumil uh, Nanijari's character, Kingo, he's the only Eternal that actually left um, for the final battle. You know what? I, I, I just realized that now, to be honest. I, I realized that he left and he never came back. Yes. Well, you know, we saw him, you know, at the end, obviously, but he is the only Eternal that left because, again, he saw that that they really didn't stand a chance, even with the whole Unimind thing. And the bracelets that, you know, against Icarus, or again, he had the uh, his conflicting reasons as well. But, you know, we saw Makari, Thena, Fastos, and Druig, and also um, Cersei were the ones that uh, stood up in the final moments against, uh, you could say, Icarus, Sprite, and uh, Tiamut, and also the random Deviant. Deviant. But uh, I feel like since we're on the topic of the Eternals, we should actually, like, talk about them i mean i i do want to have a more in-depth breakdown of you know each eternal character and stuff but as we know we have 10 characters here 
And obviously, we know we have Angelina Jolie as Dina, Salma Hayek as uh, Ajak, Demichan as Cersei, Richard Madden as Icarus, uh, Camille Nadijani as Kingo, Lauren Ridloff as Makari, uh, Leah McHugh, I believe is her name, as Sprite, Brian Tari Henry, who plays Fastos, Barry Keegan, who plays Druig, and Ma Dong uh, Sayok as uh, Gilgamesh and Kit Harrington, who is an Eternal, but he was another main character. Yeah, Jon Snow. As uh, Dan Whitman, I believe, was his name. Also known as Jon Snow. Jon Snow, yes. We had two Game of Thrones characters in this. Um, but going in, you know, seeing all these actors, again, I knew the majority of these actors because they're world-renowned names and stuff. I went in thinking that certain... Eternals were gonna be my favorite, and some of them. Why is that counting 